You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College Episode 27, the Secession Episode. In this episode, we're talking secession. What is it? How did it happen? And will it ever happen again? Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey everyone, I'm Jason Goff. And I'm Ben Smith. And thanks for joining us for another episode of Election College. Let's get into it. Hey Ben. It's 1860. Um, weren't we, weren't we just in 1860? Yeah. I mean, we're partying like it's 1860. I gotta get my knickers on. You got them? Did they still wear knickers in 1860? I don't think so. Okay. I gotta get my pantaloons on or something. No, I think they wore the uncomfortable ties and ascots and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Top hats. I'm gonna just wear my gym shorts and t-shirt in that case. Okay. That's cool. Hey, so the southern states, they're still ticked that Lincoln won the election, right? Yeah, and even before he's inaugurated, a bunch of states decide, hey, see you later. We're out of here. Peace. Actually, not peace, but you know you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. We haven't really talked about states being admitted to the union. Uh, we said a few things about states wanting to drop out almost from the get-go, so here you have it. It's the secession episode of Election College. Wait, yeah, yeah. we probably shouldn't be this happy about this episode. Oh. Um, the uh, the Civil War, it's just uh, about to break out. And there's a lot of different competing ideas and ideals that give reason for the war. Yeah, so you got the people who are saying the reason for the Civil War is because of states' rights. And the question is, can states... Indeed, leave the union unilaterally. Yeah. How do you say that? Unilaterally? Unilaterally. You're, you're much slippier with the tongue there. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> so can one region's philosophy overturn another's, thus wrecking their economy? Which... And that leads us into the idea of slavery. Slavery. Yeah. Yep. The U.S. is expanding and it acquires different territories. It divides them up. And how does this impact other states? Yeah. Like we learned in the Bleeding Kansas episode, Southerners gave men money and resources to settle lands in the West. And they really wanted their ideologies and means of profiting to come along with them like slavery. Yeah. And I mean – from strictly an economic point of view, why not? From a humanitarian point of view, what the heck? <laughs> exactly. So, Ben, let's get into our time machine. Uh-huh. 
And we're going to go back to the late 1700s to the American Revolution. You know who I missed? His rotundity. Oh, man. Is, uh, wait, is he going to be here? Yeah, we're flying back. There goes Andy Jack. There goes the queue. His rotundity. Boom. Okay. We're here. Okay, cool. You can uh, put your knickers on now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was hoping. Um, wasn't. Wasn't the formation of the United States kind of a whole secessionist movement? Well, it really depends on who you ask. I'm asking you. Oh, well, the argument could be made for either side because there are some who would say, okay, the colonies, they were under the rule of the British monarchy, right? Sure. So like King George. Yeah. And it never was that the colonies were part of like the – United Kingdom of Great Britain and Scotland and yeah. Wales and, and so on. So the case was made that, okay, yeah, the colonies are owned by Great Britain, but they're not ruled by the parliament of Great Britain. Makes right. Sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and not at all at the same time. And that's really where the issue comes in with Great Britain. Uh, the king was allowing the British Parliament to come up with rules and taxes for the colonies. And that just isn't cool with them. And so if you notice the Declaration of Independence, they don't write it to Parliament. They write it to the king. Yeah. So let's quickly read through the opening to the Declaration of Independence. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the, gover- of the governed. You can tell I had that memorized, right? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it. And to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Pretty clear cut, right? Yeah. I mean, no. Well, here's the thing. They want for themselves as a country in the 1770s, the exact opposite of what they're allowing the country to do in the 1860s. Right. Did the colonies secede from Great Britain? It sounds like it. We're gonna get we're gonna get some nasty mail on that. Yeah, probably from somebody. Yeah, the Constitution really doesn't have a, I guess you could call it a prenuptial agreement about what to do when a state wants to secede, or does it? <laughs> Again, Ben, <laughs> it really depends on who you talk to. Okay. Okay. So anyway. The colonies, they break from Great Britain because of a revolution. So here we are. We're in this new country, and it's great. We've got a new government being set up, the Articles of Confederation. Do we have pantaloons later, yet? We are wearing knickers. Okay. Um, I think some people might be wearing pantaloons at this point. Okay, good deal. And like the wigs. A few yeah. people are. So – in the 1770s and 80s, we had the Articles of Confederation. Remember that? I do. We did a whole episode on it. Yeah. So you had mentions of a perpetual union between the states. But you could also read into it as that it was an international agreement between sovereign states. So like multiple countries saying, yeah, we agree with each other and we'll do what's best for the time being. Yeah. So 
that's the reason it was really necessary for the Constitution to be drafted. Because people like James Madison uh-huh. and oh, we get to mention the Wizard of Oz again. Nice. Uh yeah, Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. They saw the need to establish how the states would relate to one another. And oh, that You know what? I, what? I I just cut you off, but when we talked about Alexander Hamilton, guess who it made me think about? Who? Aaron Burr. Oh, Ben. <sighs> just stop the episode. Let's just put it out right now. We're done. I'm seceding. <laughs> okay, sorry. So Alexander Hamilton establishing how the state's something. Yeah. Needed to – how are they going to relate to one another? And that would probably be accomplished by having a strong government. Remember uh-huh. that? Federalism? Oh, yeah. Federalism. It's back to life right now because we went back in time. Yeah. And on the other end, you had people like Patrick Henry. They were opposed to the Constitution because he thought it posed a threat to the sovereignty of the individual states. Oh, so now now we start to see why those anti-federalists were out there, right? So some people go so far as to say that moving from the Articles of Confederation to the Constitution – was actually secession. And the Federalists were really clear in their intent that secession was not an option. But New York, really slow in ratifying the Constitution, as the Anti-Federalists were, because they knew that they were giving up some sovereignty when they signed onto the new Constitution. Yeah. So eventually you got everybody in agreement and you got crazy stuff happening where, um, I mean, different states are not agreeing. Um, with other states and the regions are not agreeing with other regions. And we're going to hop back in our time machine and go into the 1812 era. So we're flying past. Oh, there's TJ. Hey, TJ. Yep. And plop. Okay. So (laughs) remember the Hartford convention? Um, I remember talking about it. Yeah. You remember talking about it. You weren't there. I wasn't there. Nope. So it was kind of an embarrassment for the Federalists, right? Yeah. Um, there was uh, a lot of resentment as well in the early 1800s in New England about all of the Virginians who were being elected to the presidency. It was like all of them were from Virginia. Yeah. And so the people up in New England were like, well, the heck with you. Let's, <laughs> let's do something different. Um, but the Americans won. The War of 1812 and those Federalists who made the trek from New England down to Washington, you know, they find out, oh, the Battle of New Orleans happened. And guess what? The Americans win and everybody loves the Union and they go back home and Federalism or at least the Federalist Party just begins to shrivel up and die. Hey, you know what we never talked about? What? The nullification crisis. Oops. Uh, Let's talk about it now. The state of South Carolina decides we're going to go head to head with the federal government. And they do this by um, declaring that the federal tariffs of 1828 and 1832 were unconstitutional. And therefore, we're not going to do them within the boundaries of our state. Yeah. And another thing we didn't mention when John C. Calhoun resigned the vice presidency. Remember that? Yeah. Him and uh-huh. Andy Jack and all their disagreements. He was like, you know what? I, I don't need to be VP. I'm going to go run for Senate because I'm going to be much more influential there. So 
Calhoun and Andy Jack, they really are butting heads over this. And you actually had the state of South Carolina. So Calhoun gets elected. He's a senator. The state of South Carolina actually puts together a military to defend itself against the federal government. Yeah, that is – well, there's a lot of things to say about that. But can you imagine being in fear that your state is going to be overrun? Yeah. So you can imagine – and Ben, you've alluded to this a couple episodes ago about the states that are approving the use of pot in their Uh state. And that's actually a violation of federal – Law. Sure. It'd be like the feds going into Colorado and Washington and other areas that may or may not be soon approving that and shutting down the operation. Um, I kind of doubt that you would see that in this day, but back in this era in the mid 1800s, states really saw that as a threat. So South Carolina is coming into the 1860s with the idea of, Hey, we're a sovereign state. We can leave the union. No problem. So. That is exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. So to clarify all this, Southern leaders like John C. Calhoun, Jefferson Davis, they're like, hey, the Constitution is essentially a contract between sovereign states. The contracting parties retaining to the inherit authority to withdraw from the agreement. So see ya. Yeah, bye. Uh, so Northern leaders like our buddy Abe Lincoln insisted that the Constitution was a, not a contract, nor was it an agreement between different states. It was an agreement with the people of the states. And once a state enters the Union, it cannot leave the Union. So the Southern states saying, <laughs> shut up, Abe. Yeah, be quiet, Abe Lincoln. You're just a guy who splits logs or something. Yeah. So... South Carolina, boom, they're gone. Mississippi, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, Texas, Virginia, Arkansas, North Carolina, and finally Tennessee are out of here. And they form the Confederate States of America. Yeah, so how, how many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So that's a few more than the seven we heard about last episode that they were told would leave if Abe got elected. Yeah, and... Then this is kind of interesting. You know, a lot of times we hear that, okay, an entire state just goes, you know, see ya, we're dropping out. But actually there was a huge area of Eastern Tennessee that was like, no, wait a second. We don't want to leave. <laughs> and the Confederate government was like, um, you're coming. Yeah. So sorry. You're with us. Actually not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Missouri and Kentucky actually had Confederate government set up. Uh, they were almost like a dual status. Ne- neither one of them officially joined the Confederacy, but there was definitely some Confederate leaning in those states. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because, you know, the Confederate flag that we hear all the flap about uh-huh. um, actually has stars for some of those states that actually didn't secede from the Union and officially join the Confederacy. So right. it's yep. kind of crazy. So the Union, the the United States of America, never officially recognizes the Confederate States of America. And the number of stars on the flag doesn't decline. Uh, Matter of fact, they add two stars during the Civil War, uh, Kansas in 1861, West Virginia in 1863. And it's this idea that if we admit they're gone, then we really can't say that we're fighting for them to come back. Exactly. Which leads to... The case of West Virginia, because this is kind of crazy, Ben. Yeah, West Virginia in general 
but especially in this time period, it's crazy. Yeah. You've got these northern counties from a state. So Virginia, right? This is like the land of, hey, we're very pro-Confederate. And they're extremely influential in this whole secession flap. But these northern counties are like, uh, hang on a second. <laughs> uh, we're not, we're not too keen on this. Yeah. And so th- the North is like, um, we still want you. And if you're in a city like Wheeling, which is located right between Pennsylvania and Ohio, the North, mm-hmm. um, you can imagine that would be very awkward to have <laughs> <laughs> a little, a little part of your land there being divided by, um, a Confederate state. And yeah, so, and also not very good for, um, maneuverings and whatnot. Yeah. So the Northern was extremely interested in seeing these Northern counties of Virginia to come to the North. So, um, voting takes place and the union soldiers are really putting the pressure on and people are actually, and this is reminiscent of those people who went from Missouri over to Kansas. If you remember in that episode of the bleeding Kansas, when all you had all of these pro slavery people moving into Kansas to ensure that Kansas would be a slave state or a slave right. territory. Right. Well, you kind of had that going on where a bunch of union sympathizers were moving into these northern counties and saying, of course we want to be in the union. Yeah, and Confederate sympathizers were really strongly encouraged, I guess you could <laughs> yeah. say, not to vote. Yeah, and interestingly enough, and several years ago, I had the opportunity to go into the Capitol building of West Virginia uh, in Charleston, and they had a statue of Stonewall Jackson there. I'm like, huh. wait, wait a second, Stonewall Jackson? Yeah, I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah, the Confederacy actually, uh, West Virginia actually sent as many people, almost even, to go to war for the South as they did for the North. Isn't that crazy? It is pretty crazy. It's also really interesting to me that the the whole idea of people still, uh, what's the word, almost idolizing or putting them in a a place of prestige, people who were part of the losing side, is still just an anomaly to me because you don't see any other countries where they're still worshiping or, um, you know, putting up on a pedestal people who have been defeated. You go to Germany and Hitler is not lauded by most. Right. Um, whereas in the U.S. you have a little different because a lot of the South still names things after their, their generals and, mm-hmm. uh, their president and they still wave the flag and it's just, it's, it's strange to me. Yeah. And one strange thing about that too is I happen to have lived in the South when, um, Georgia was undergoing the whole flag issue because, you know, they had the, and this was during the Olympics, even back in 96, Mm. they still had the Confederate battle flag as a part of the Georgia state flag. Well, so they completely removed, and this happened after the Olympics, but they completely remove the, um, the, the battle flag in a role of prominence. Um, they had a, had it really tiny at the bottom of this new flag that said Georgia's history or heritage or something. But anyway, yeah. they pass a resolution to change their state flag to what it is today, which is actually 
the stars and bars is actually yeah. the Confederate national flag. Right. Is the Georgia state flag. They just changed the seal on the, on the side of it. So oh, that's so crazy. Yeah. Just, so yeah. <laughs> when you mentioned Stonewall Jackson, the statue being there, it just reminded me of that. Yeah. It, it's kind of crazy. And I know, you know, we have listeners in the South, we have listeners in the North and, you know, we're not trying to divide anyone here, but uh, it, it is interesting though, how the, I, I guess you could just say it's, it, it could be ironic. It could be something else that, um, big deals are made out of the design of the flag when maybe we don't have the whole history. And I also wasn't comparing Jefferson Davis to Adolf Hitler, but right. Uh, so anyway, after the war, Virginia tries to get West Virginia back and the Supreme Court's like, no, nope, sorry. Yeah. And I've actually heard arguments that the state of Virginia or the Commonwealth of Virginia, I should say, uh, was like, no, we don't want you back. But at the time they did want West Virginia back because they had this huge war debt to pay back Yeah, and they were wanting that coal money and so on from the Western um, part of the state, but, uh, needless to say, the Supreme Court says, nope, we don't think so. West Virginia, you are a state. So it's like talk of secession is really nothing new and it comes up every now and then, typically after an election or sometimes even before. And it just kind of makes me wonder. Actually, I've already heard statements. If so and so wins, I'm moving to wherever. Uh, what's going to happen this election? Yeah, I would imagine that you're going to have certain regions who are going to be like, ah, we're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, it doesn't seem like that would um, go without a fight. Yeah, I would think not for sure. So here we have it. We are 50 states in a union. And whether we like it or not, we're together. Together again. Wow. Always and forever. <laughs> so you know, singing that song makes me think about how great people are who listen to this show and how amazing it is when they leave us reviews. Yeah, and we just got this really cool review from podcast lover Max. Uh, he, his title of his comment was "I didn't know that," and he said, "I've been studying presidents since I was seven. Oh, about thirty years ago, and I learned something new in each podcast and." These guys really work very well together and are very funny, kind of like a historical Abbott and Costello. Huh. Who's well, who? I, that's a great question. So, Abbott and Costello we are, I guess. And we love hearing comments um, like this, but we'd also love to hear your comments about secession and yeah. how you would view it. And you can do that. Where can we do that, Ben? You can do that at Twitter at Election College. You can head over to Facebook at Election College Send us a message, or you can write on our wall or comment on something. You can do the same on Instagram. And quite frankly, you can go to our website. You can send us an email. You can stalk us in real life, though we certainly prefer you not do that. <laughs> but we're really accessible is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So connect with us, like us, subscribe, and review. Hey, keep hitting up that Amazon link, the electioncollege.com slash Amazon uh, a lot of you have clicked on that, and it is great. Um, we appreciate that. Yeah. You have anything else to say about secession? Then? I think that's it, other than I hope it doesn't happen again. Yeah, straight yeah. up. All right. Well, this has been. Yeah, and this is Jason. Thanks for listening. We'll see you.
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.